You laugh. Saw some of you got excited about the heated seats. Oh, you want cooling seats? Well, we'll work on those too next week. I remember Dr. Simpebway when he came here. You know what he called it? He called it consumer Christianity. Consumer Christianity. We want it the way we want it, right? I mean, we want that in everything in our life. We want it the way we want it, wherever we go, at our job, in our home. We're just kind of that way. So we're going to make some changes here at Freedom Fellowship. And just if you need to make notes so you can hold me accountable, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make the Bible easier for you to digest. We're only going to preach easy stuff. Okay, that's the first thing. I think that'll make some of you very happy. I want to go home with that little Bible story, and I want to, that's, that's all I want. Here's the other thing we're going to do. We're, we're, going to, we're going to keep the messages short. We're not going to go to five minutes. But we're going to try to get them down to about 18 minutes. Is that okay with everybody, 18 minutes? Uh, that, that, I think that'll increase, I think that'll cre- increase our membership. And after all, that's what we're after. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and I've already told Jeff, we're, we're, we're going to stop singing songs about the blood. Oh, my goodness. The blood is just pff, yucky. We don't want to sing songs about the blood, right? I mean, it's messy and, and about death. Let's sing about the resurrection. Let's don't talk about the cross. It's kind of, yeah, that was a very cruel thing. So we're going to, we're going to move those things out of the side. Uh, and, and really, three songs are enough, really. Don't you understand? Three songs. Can you imagine four, five songs? It just kind of gets, oh, my goodness. When are they going to quit singing praises to God? So we're going to cut it back down to three songs and maybe two if you're nice. And, and here's one of the things. You're going to love this one. We are going to do away with that ugly five-letter word, tithe. We, just, we, won't, we won't talk about tithe anymore. Or, or you know, here's what I'm, I didn't have a time. I didn't have time to do it th- today, but we're not implementing this till next week. But I'm going to get a tip jar. And so... If you like the sermon, like the, the message, we'll put a tip jar back there for the music and the sound booth. If you like the sound, if you like the videos, we'll, you can tip back there. If you like the sermon, we'll put a, a big jar up here, and they'll say tips on. If you like the sermon, you can bring a tip in at the end of the service, uh, or, or even maybe in the welcome center, we'll, we'll put a tip jar. So you can, you know, if you like it, good. If you don't, it's just like a restaurant. If you go and you don't like the food, you, if you don't like the service, don't tip the waiter, or don't, don't tip the waitress. So we're going to put a tip jar in, so we'll do away with tithing. And, and here's some things. I'm going to try very hard not to talk about suffering. I'm going to try not to talk about uh, sacrifice uh, or obedience because those are just, those are just, they just kill the mood. Right? You mentioned the word suffer. Y'all are so quiet this morning. You act like I'm serious. Here's, here's I've got a 52-week sermon series, Grace and Love. Grace and love. Grace and love. Just grace and love. Every, every week, grace and love. And we'll all leave here feeling so good. And you'll go, man, you'll bring people. You'll, hey, y'all, come to Freedom Fellowship. We're in and out of there in 30 minutes. Three songs, sometimes two. And we don't have the gifts. So we don't have that tithing part. We're probably not going to have any baptisms because nobody's going to give their life to Jesus. So it's going to be so fast. We can be in and out of there. And, man, it's going to be good. We can beat everybody to the restaurants. Oh, yeah, and you know what? We really, we've got to tone it down. We can't talk about demons anymore. 
or deliverance. You talk about some messy stuff. That is deliverance. When people get free from their addictions, listen, we're just going to coddle them and we're going to get them in a 28-day program. And you know what? We're just going to tell them to do, just stop that. You can stop that. So we, we, and really, please, no more tongues. Please do not pray in tongues anymore. Oh, people behind you go, what in the world are they doing? What are they talking about? I don't get it. So let's just dispense with all this stuff. We will mention the Holy Spirit occasionally because the Holy Spirit makes us feel good. Okay. Now that's consumer Christianity. And if you like all those changes, we're going to impl- implement them this week. And uh, so here's, here's the end of the message today. What can we do for you? We could have our ministry team come up here, but then there would be that might be messy, too, because some of you might come up here and you might be crying, and we're going to get rid of all the Kleenex boxes. We won't need those. <laughs> you know why? There will be no conviction because everybody will feel good. So what do we do with those people that come in here and they don't feel so good, Pastor? Well, we're going to make them feel good. And I promise you we will grow, 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 grow. And everybody will be talking about freedom fellowship. But it ain't going to happen here. <laughs> that is not going to happen here. And before you chastise me too much for saying all that, and we will still preach about grace and love, but we'll also talk about sacrifice and forgiveness. We will talk about deliverance. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit. We will, we will do the things that Jesus said for us to do. We will anoint with oil. I know that's messy too. I didn't even think about it. We need to get rid of the oil, but we're going to keep the oil. We may even get more oil. Because we're not a consumer church. We're a giving church. See, when you come here this morning, you think, well, what's this thing about giving? I know he's going to talk about money. Listen, giving is, is, is the, our response to what we thank God for, what he's done in our lives, just for who he is. We should be the, we should be the most giving people in all the world. And I'm not just talking about money. Please don't Focus in and get sidetracked that this is all about money, even though this is going to talk about money because money's part of giving. It just is, church. And I don't know the last time you went to the grocery store and they let you out of there without giving them some money. <laughs> A lot of it. Oh, well, we'll put that back. <laughs> right? You think we can just go anywhere and do anything? We don't have to give? Listen, we have to give. I like college football. You know I like college football? You see the craziest people in the stands. Anybody watch, watch college football? I mean, Ohio State and Michigan like crazy yesterday. They got people that dress up like the craziest people. Guys come out there and they paint their bodies. They have no shirts on. And everybody goes, man, they are cool fans. But people come to a church and go, yay, God, we love you, Jesus. Well, you're nuts. Right? Isn't that how it is? So let's just break down some of these these uh, barriers. Let's just quit. We're not a consumer church. We are a God-fearing, God-worshiping, God-exalting church. That believes in love and we believe in grace. And we will teach love because that's where it all starts. And we will teach grace because without the grace of God, we couldn't make it. But we will teach that to walk in obedience. We will teach about purity 
We will teach about the gifts of the Spirit. We will teach about the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We will teach about the things. Matter of fact, Paul said, I am am not going to stop teaching the whole counsel of God. We're not going to try to just put God in a little box and say he's this and he's nothing else because God is everything. He's everywhere. And he wants to do incredible things today in our lives, not just in Africa, not just in Brazil, not just in Mexico. He's the God of miracles in San Angelo, Texas. You know why we don't see as many miracles? Because we don't believe for them, we don't pray for them. But we, we are God, we've got to get on track to believe God for everything that he says that we can have. Because if he says we can have it, we can have it, Right? You know, we, thanks, we, we celebrate Thanksgiving. So who, the, the fathers who wrote the, the day that we're going to have that Thursday in, in November as Thanksgiving, they didn't call it Thanksgiving, did they? They call it Thanksgiving because it's time to give, and we are givers. Say, I'm a giver. Okay, I want you to turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians, if you don't know where it is, it's right after 1 Corinthians. Okay? It is in the New Testament. You might have to look it up. Everybody threw scrolling on their phones. Well, the Internet's not working. Well, bring your paper Bible. Okay? This is the Apostle Paul. He's written a letter to them, 1 Corinthians. And how many of you have read 1 Corinthians? You know, man, he was like, whoo, what is wrong with you people? You come to know Jesus, and now you're acting just like the world still. You've not grown up any. So he's writing a follow-up letter. There actually were three letters, but only two found their way into the Bible that we have today. But he says this to to the church at Corinth. He says, beloved ones. Now, that's a good way to start a, a, a message to somebody. What he's saying here, Michelle, is, hey, I love you. I love you. He said, beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. So he's starting, he's starting this chapter talking about another church. He's talking about these churches. There were several churches north of Corinth, and they were called the Macedonian churches. And that's where Paul, he's, he's been there. He's writing from there, and he's telling them about this church. And now the first thing a lot of people will go, well, why is he comparing this church to the church at Corinth? Because we all say comparison is the what? robber of joy. But see, he's not doing a comparison. I want you to understand there's a difference between comparison and telling a testimony. He's giving a testimony here of what God is doing in these churches at Macedonia, and it's incredible. And if we get this this morning, uh, man, it just, we're just going to continue to grow and explode as a, as a, kingdom, as a kingdom-minded church. Amen? So he's writing this letter, and he's telling the beloved, we must tell you about the the grace that God poured out. So in other words, he's starting out this letter and this this chapter by saying, it's not about what we've done. It's about what God's done. It's about his grace that he poured out. See, God has poured his grace out upon upon freedom fellowship. Do y'all believe that? He's poured his grace out upon us. And when we, when we recognize that, then we say it's not us, it's him. That's why these songs that we've been singing this morning, it's not about us, it's about him. And when we can ever get that mindset away from selfishness to 
lifting up Jesus Christ and exalting him in every area of our life, we will move from this, this place of the have-nots or the stuck in the, the apathetic Christianity or the, the non-powerful Christianity, the consumer Christianity. We'll step into a new dimension of Christianity. And it's a Christianity will bless God and will move mountains in Jesus' name. Amen. So he's saying, don't, he said, he said, don't, I'm not going to, this is not a comparison thing. I want to tell you about this church in Macedonia. And I want to tell you about the grace that God has poured out on them. And verse 2 says, for even during a season of severe difficulty, tremendous suffering, and extreme poverty, their superabundant joy overflowed into an act of extreme, extravagant generosity. Whew, that's a lot of words. Let me read that again. Even during a season of what? Severe, say severe difficulty. Anybody ever been through that? Okay. Tremendous suffering. Anybody? In extreme poverty. Anybody here been in extreme poverty? Okay. After all of that, even during that season that they were going through, it says their super abundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant, extravagant, extravagant generosity. For I can verify that they spontaneously gave. Say spontaneous. They spontaneously gave not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. They actually begged us for the privilege of sharing in this ministry of giving to God's holy people who are living in poverty. Now, you think about that. They're going through extreme, severe difficulty, tremendous suffering, and extreme poverty, and they became super abundantly joy, joyful. They, they began to give spontaneously beyond what, beyond what they even had. And it says that they, they begged for the privilege of sharing in a ministry when they themselves were in need. What an example of a church or churches that we're doing the kingdom business. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And you go, I, I looked at it and said, well, God, how did they get to that place? I mean, they were poor. They, they were needy. They were in poverty. How could they do this? And he said, well, just keep reading. <laughs> Look at verse 5. They exceeded our expectations by first, say first, by first dedicating themselves fully, say fully, Dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. This was the extreme exact opposite of a me church. This was a God church. This was the other's church. This was not about them. It was about them exalting Jesus Christ. It was about them being in obedience. It was about them. Uh, they, they couldn't get over what God had done for them. He's poured his grace out on them. Have you ever been to that place Guillermo, have you ever been to that place where you just sat back and go, God, I can't believe you're this good to me because I'm not that good. Have you ever been that way? I'm not that good. We say, I'm not that good. Better have you ever said, God, I'm not that good, but you're so good to me. You see, this is what their hearts were saying. We, we want to do what you, whatever we can do. We want to do more than we can do because his extreme grace has been poured out upon us. He doesn't judge us guilty anymore. He says, we're his children. We're his sons. We're his daughters. Can you get excited about something this morning? Come on. Can you imagine? I, I really can't. I haven't seen this yet, the freedom, but I guess I will see it sometime. Come here, Lorenzo. Come here. This is all planned away in advance. Like right then. 
You're, you pretend, we're going to pretend that this is the Apostle Paul. You know, he did have bad eyes, so he got in some glasses. <laughs> and I'm from the Macedonian church. Hey, Paul. Yes. We're broke. Oh, really? Yeah, we're broke. Good answer. <laughs> How can we give to the church at Jerusalem? I heard that they're really in poverty. You know what Paul said? I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can. You are too poor to give. See? Thank you, Paul. You may be seated. I couldn't just talk to myself. They actually came and they said, Paul. Paul. Yes, 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 yes. What do you want? We want to give. I know, but y'all don't need to give. Y'all don't, y'all don't have any money. Don't, don't even think about it. Don't worry about it. But we want to give. But listen, maybe you've you got a lot of things to take care of. Your, your air conditioner at your church, you need to get it fixed. Your, the van, you need some wheels, you need some tires for your van. You can't help anybody else. You hear where I'm, I'm coming from? This was a church that says, we don't have much, but what we got, we're going to give it. And somehow God's going to bless us. We're going to give more. We're going to give more. You know what we try to do? We try to come up. If it's a tenth, we try to go, what's a tenth? of $122.50, and we come up just $12 and whatever, and we come up with a half cent, you know, I'll round it down, (laughs) you know? We try to give right to, and they said, we want to be extravagant givers. You see, this is not about just money. This is talking about, I want to be an extravagant giver for the cause of Christ. How can we give It's not about bringing a tithe into the storehouse. That's just a little bitty part of it. It's about how can you bless the waiter across there at Angry Cactus who looks like they lost their last friend. How can you bless them with a prayer? How can you bless them with a good tip? How can you bless that person on the side of the road and really look at them for once and not quit walking right by them? How can you bless your children that are prodigals? They've walked away from God. How can you bless them when you can call them up and you can say, I love you. I know you walked away. I am not going to to quit praying for you. I love you. That's extravagant. Get out of your comfort zone and start living extravagantly. Give extravagantly. They exceeded our expectations because they first dedicated themselves fully to the Lord. I thought, what does that look like? When they says they first gave themselves to the Lord in the New King James Version. What does that look like for us today as Christians? How do we get to that place of really giving ourselves to the Lord? And when I, read, I looked at John uh, 4, 5, and it says, does the scripture, James 4, 5, excuse me. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? Here's the thing. God loves us so much. He doesn't want to share us. And he says, are you going to give yourself fully to me or are you going to hold back something? See, a lot of people, Christians, we, we hold back from God. Well, I, you know, I don't want to, I, I really can't do anything for God. I don't have the gifts. I don't have talents. I surely don't have money. So what can I bring to the king? Man, I'm telling you, I love that song, Little Drummer Boy. Little Drummer Boy said, all I can do, I got a drum. I don't have nothing else. I know it's fiction. But it's a beautiful picture. I'm just going to play my drum for the king. I don't have anything else to give him. That song Brandon Lake wrote, Gratitude. I don't have anything else to bring but a hallelujah. But will you bring him your hallelujah? Will you bring him your praise? Will you bring him your praise this morning?
John the Baptist, when Jesus became, he came out and began his ministry, and John already had his ministry going. It was going great guns, you know, and all of a sudden his disciples looked at him. They said, John, are we supposed to go follow Jesus? Are we supposed to hang out with you? And you know what he said? No, you got to go be with Jesus. you got to follow him. He's the Messiah. And he said this in John 3.30. He said, he, Jesus, uh, he's talking about himself. He's talking, he, he, uh, Jesus must increase, but Paul, uh, John said, I must decrease. Man, i got to get that right, okay? He said, Jesus said that Jesus must increase. I've got to raise him up. I've got to lift him up. I've got to follow him. But John the Baptist says, I've got to decrease. It can't be about me. Quit following me. Go after the Messiah. And you can, you can replace that with anything you want to. He must increase. What must decrease in your life this morning? What have you elevated in your life? That it's so, so far elevated that Jesus is like, come on, do you see me here? I'm standing right here. And Jesus is vying for attention. He says, I am a jealous lover. I'm a jealous God. I want your full attention. What's keeping you from totally dedicating yourself fully to the Lord? He'll, the Holy Spirit will tell you. If, you're, if you'll ask him, he'll, he'll tell you what it is. He'll tell you what it is. There's a great example of someone who gave their all to God, and Jesus made sure that he knew about her. It's in Mark 12. Turn to Mark 12. Y'all remember this story about the, about the uh, widow who gave her two cents? You know, some of you like to put your two cents in, and it's not the same as she's talking about. <laughs> that would be consumer Christianity. Ah, well, let me tell you what you need to do, Pastor. John 12, 41, one of the most beautiful pictures of a giver. Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow, again, she's poor, she's in poverty. She came and she threw in two mites, which makes a quadrants. Probably wouldn't have bought anything. Maybe something. Maybe a piece of bread. I don't know. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. If they all put in out of, their, out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. It always comes back to the heart. It always comes back to the heart. We think, well, it's just two sins. Well, what, what big deal? But it was all she had. It's all she had. And her heart was, I'm giving, this to the, I'm giving this to God. She might not even understood the principles of giving, but she just knew, I'm going to give everything I have to God. I'm going to give it to God. Some of us, we're so stingy that we hold back and we hold back and we hold back, and then when the, the blessing train comes around, we wonder why the blessing train doesn't stop at our house. Why is it just keeps going? Because God knows your heart. See, he's going to examine your heart this morning. This is what this message is about. Look at verse 6. Verse 6, that is why we appeal to Titus, since he was the one who got you started and encouraged you to give so he could help you complete this gener generous undertaking on your behalf. You do well and excel in every respect, in unstoppable faith, in powerful preaching, in revelation knowledge, in your passionate devotion, in your sharing the love we have shown to you, so make sure that you also excel in grace-filled generosity. Some people, some theologians say that he was being sarcastic there. You know, the Bible wasn't written with periods and exclamation points and all that. Man came along later and added those. But can you see what, what if he said, 
kind of like Jesus talked about the churches in, in Revelation. You've done this well, you've done this well, you've done this, but I've, I've got this one little thing against you. And Paul might have been saying, well, if you've got unstoppable faith, if you're powerful in your preaching, revelation knowledge, if you're powerful, passionate in devotion and sharing the love, you would also be full of grace and generosity. See, those things all work together. If, if we've got all these things going in our lives, we should be filled with generosity. It should be a part of our DNA. It is a part of your DNA. You have G- How many of you got Jesus in your heart? If you've got Jesus in your heart, if he lives in you by the power through the Holy Spirit, you have a DNA of Jesus Christ. W- would you agree? Was, was Jesus generous? Was Jesus generous? How generous was Jesus? He gave his only life for you and me. That's generosity. That's going above and beyond. So if he, if we've, if he, if he lives in us, then we have it. It's already in us. It's just like we've, we've talked in the past about the fruits of the Spirit. Some people say, well, I'm not very patient. I'm not this. I'm not that. But if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you've got all of those things at your disposal. you just got to release them. You just got to release them. You got to start operating in them. Quit saying, I'm not patient. As long as you keep saying you have, pa- and you have no patience, then the words of your mouth are going to destroy the, what God has put in your heart. Quit saying that you don't have compassion. God's put compassion in you. Quit saying, I'm not generous, because God says, I'm generous in you, and I'm, I'm generous through you. Quit speaking those things that, that bring death to your life and start bring, speaking words of life in Jesus' name. Amen? So Paul said, you're doing some good things, but you can do something more. You can be like the church at Macedonia. Let me give, tell you about them. They're in Acts 20 church, Acts 20, 35. When Mary Lou and I were ordained, uh, T.D. Hall gave us, he said, I want you to go home and read Acts 20. So we went back and read Acts 20, and there was one verse or two, and one verse that just jumped out at, like a highlighted verse, a revelation to us. And it's, what's kind of neat about this verse is in Acts 20, 35, it's not found anywhere in the, in the New Testament or the Old Testament. So, you know, when Jesus wrote the, when, when John wrote the last uh, the gospel, he said there's so many things that Jesus did that they can't be contained in all the books of the world. Isn't that amazing? And so in Acts 20, 35, Paul says this, I've left you an example of how you should serve and take care of those who are weak. For we must always cherish the words of our Lord Jesus who taught, giving brings a far greater blessing than receiving. Tis more blessed to give than receive. Give, give. Say, I'm a, I'm a giver. And because I give, I get blessed. Amen? Y'all believe that? See, I, this is the thing. Freedom Fellowship is a giving church. I mean, I'm preaching kind of, kind of preaching to the choir this morning. We're a kingdom-minded church. We, we think outside the walls of this church. We think uh, we, we're not the only church in town. We believe that there are many, many, many people in this city that are doing the work of the kingdom of God. They're feeding the hungry. They're clothing the naked. They're, they're visiting those in prison. and they're, they're praying for the sick. They're doing all these things that Jesus said. We're laying our hands on people. We're, we're seeing people delivered from all sorts of bondages. We are a kingdom-minded church because it's not about us. It's not about our label. It's not about our brand. It's about Jesus Christ. When it, quit, when it stops being about Jesus Please come and straighten me out, however that might look, okay? Verse 8, I'm not saying this as though I were issuing an order. This is Paul saying this. But to stir you to a greater love. Say greater love. love. By mentioning the enthusiasm of the Macedonians as a challenge to you. 
For you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself, or he became poor, for our sake, so that by his poverty we become rich beyond measure. Now, a lot of people will take some of these verses and they make a uh, prosperity message out of it. And they go way beyond what I believe the Bible teaches about prosperity. That becomes, their, that becomes the idol. That becomes the focus. And, and that's not our focus. You know, a lot of people, I, I read one reading that said, talked about Jesus at, when he was on earth, that he was rich on earth. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not so sure about that. And he was born in a stable. Couldn't he find a room for him? He was a carpenter's son. I know that they probably weren't the, the richest people in town. And, and you know, he was, he, when he was walking this, uh, and, and throughout the, the countryside, it says, I have no place to lay my head. He had to, he had to live in, he had to stay in other, in, in, uh, other people's homes. Airbnbs, you know, he had, to find, he had to check into an Airbnb because he didn't have a place to lay his head, the Bible says. So he was, he was not rich. He didn't go around. He, didn't, he wouldn't carry it around in the chariot. He wasn't. And he says, but he left. But what did he leave for us? He left heaven. He left all the riches, all the glory, all the goodness, all the grandeur of heaven. And he said, I'm coming to earth so I can identify with with human beings, so I can go to the cross for humanity, so that I can die for humanity, so that humanity would have an opportunity to be saved and then go to heaven and experience the wealth that I have there. It's going to be something when we get there, church. It's going to be something when we get there, but we don't have to live impoverished here on earth if we live by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to. I think he's talking more about our riches being our, our emotional, our spiritual, our, our, just our very being that we aren't, we aren't people that are supposed to be down there. We are people of life. We are people of goodness. We are people of grace. We are people that can give. And listen, he didn't want you to be so poor you can't give. But if you are poor, give anyway. That's what they did. That's what they did. He said, I'm not, this is, Paul was very, very clear. He said, I'm not giving you a commandment here. I'm just telling you what another church has done. I'm telling you what it looks like to give. That they would even want the privilege to give. How many of you know that joy comes when you give? I'm starting a series next week as we lead up to Christmas about joy. I'm telling you, if you've never given beyond what you could, you've not really experienced that joy of giving yet. And God, is, he's just, he loves it when we trust him enough to give beyond our means, doesn't he? You know why when you give beyond your means, you know what you're doing? You're saying, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Verse, verse 10. So Paul says, here are my thoughts on concerning this matter as it's in your best interest. Say best interest. Since you made a good start last year, both in the grace of giving and in your longing to give, you should finish what you started. You were so eager in your intentions to give, so go do it. Finish this act of worship according to your ability to give. If you go back and read 1 Corinthians 16, the church in Jerusalem, the, the council of the church there was like in deep, 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 dire poverty. They were in need. I mean, they were being cut off from every area. So when Paul would go and he had established these churches, he would go and he'd say, listen, we need to take up collection for the church, for the, church, for the people in, in Jerusalem. They're struggling. We need to get an offering. Can you get an offering together? I'm going to say, uh, we'll come back and get it. And see, they already were like, Paul, I'm not so sure about Paul. Well, he said, okay, I'll send Titus to get it. But listen, we just need to collect it. We need to take, y'all said you would do it in, in back in, in, in uh, the year before. We said y'all would give. So why haven't you completed what you started? How many of you have got projects right now in your home, and most of these are going to be men, that you started but you haven't finished? Come on, raise your hand. 
You started it, but you haven't finished it. You just say yet. And the wife said, yet, really? He forgot totally about it. I had to call somebody else to finish it for him. Yeah. There's something about finishing what you start that blesses you. A lot of people in here procrastinate. How many of you are procrastinators? Husbands, don't raise your hand. Let your wife raise her hands for you. Procrastinators, yeah. I was thinking about raising my hand, Pastor, but I'm not going to raise it yet. (laughs) We'll talk about this later at home, right? Yeah. How many of you promised God something and you haven't followed through with it? Maybe, maybe you're in the process of it, and that's cool. You're working through it. You're working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're on, you're on that road, but, it just, but you haven't given it up. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how many of you God put a, a dream in your heart, and you just said, you know what? This is just unattainable. You tried, and you tried, and you tried, and all of a sudden you just said, man, I can't do this, and you just let the dream die. Don't raise your hands. But God's put a dream in your heart this morning. He said, He says this, this is the word of the Lord, from the word of the Lord, finish what you started. Finish what you started. I don't care if you finish the shed in the backyard. That's that's nice if you can finish the shed or put the roof on it that you promised you'd put the roof on. I'm talking about the dreams God's put in your heart. The ministry he's given you. And you've said, you know what, that's just too hard. Today is a good day to repent. Today is a good day to say, you know what? God, today's a kickstart from the pastor. Today's a kickstart from the word. I'm going to get back. I'm going to get back to my dream. I'm going to get back to the vision. I'm going to back, get back to the goals that you put in my life, in my heart. Now, Lord, I am going to go forward from this day forward. And I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish what I started. Aren't you glad Jesus finished what he started? He went to the cross, and on the cross he said, it's finished. Here's the thing. Even your salvation, he's going to do that for you. He says he started a good work in you, Pam, and he will complete it. He will complete it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what he's given you, your purpose, your goals, right now and on earth. Right now, what has he put in your heart to do for the kingdom of God? And I'm not talking about, well, I'm going to preach. I'm not talking about being a teacher. I'm, not, I'm talking about outside these walls even. If he's called you, if he's called you and he's put a purpose and a kingdom purpose in your heart, listen, it, it may look different for everybody in this room. I'm not the one to judge that. But what's he given you in your heart? Finish what you started. He says, finish. I love this. Again, finish this act of worship according to your ability to give. I, asked, I was asking myself, why do people not finish what they started? Sometimes it's fear, inadequacy, laziness, stupor, lost the vision, left your first love. There's a lot of reasons. There's a ton of reasons why people don't finish what they started. I'm, just, I'm telling you today, 
with one word, you can repent. Say, forgive me, Lord. I trust you. I'm going to go back. I'm going to revisit what you put in my heart to do. And I'm going to go forward today. Today. Say today. today. See, the devil doesn't mind how much resolve you have to do a task. He just didn't want you to follow through with it. What's the old saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. Verse 12. For if the intention and desire are there, the size of the gift doesn't matter, Paul says. Your gift is fully acceptable to God according to what you have, not what you don't have. I'm not saying this in order to ease someone else's load by overloading you, but as a matter of faith, fair balance, your, sur- your surplus could meet their need, and their abundance may one day meet your need. This equal sharing of abundance will mean a fair balance, as it is written, the one who gathered much didn't have too much, and the one who gathered little didn't have too little. The truth is we all have something we can give. Every person in here has something to give. I'm not talking about money. God's given every one of you something. He's given you a gift. He is, he's put within your heart to do something for the kingdom of God. You may not have two diamonds rubbed together this morning, but you have a talent or an ability you can give to God. Did you know? Oh, well, you can be bound to a bed. You can be in a nursing home where you can't get out of the bed ex- except when they come and get you. But you know what you have the ability to do in bed? Pray. So why well, can't do anything? Well, can you pray? Well, I can't really. I, can you pray? Yes, you can pray. We need, how many of you need prayer this morning? Raise your hands if you need prayer in your family. Somebody needs prayer. Everybody, not everybody. everybody need, how many of you need prayer this morning? How many of you have the ability to pray? Okay, we start, got a starting point there. You may not be able to stand on a platform and preach. Sometimes I know that I don't have that ability either. You may not be a, 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 or a great teacher, but maybe you can hold the baby in your arms and rock them. Maybe you can change the diaper. Maybe you can watch some kids for a little bit, tell them about David and Goliath. Maybe you can do some little things like, oh, those are just little things. Well, it may seem like a little thing to you, but that's the next generation that's pretty important. God's given you an ability. Some of you have Fridays off. God can, he's given you the ability to actually pick up a box and carry it to a car. And say, here's your groceries, ma'am. Here's your groceries, sir. There's a lot of things you can do in the kingdom that don't require a whole lot, except some time, some care, some love. All of this goes back to verse 5. I'm going to close with that. Would you, would you stand?